Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. We're in uh, quiet times here as there's no NFL, there's no Ravens. One of the quietest weeks of the NFL calendar. But we're here to give you news, to give you notes, to give you some fun commentary related to a game show that we will get to later. But first, let's figure out who's, who's going to be giving you all this great information. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined... On the couch by Tim Horsey. Tim, how you doing on this long weekend? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, it, it's nice to, as we record this, have a have a day off, which is always great. A three day weekend to help rest and recover before we get back into uh, to the work life. Uh, not re- a little numb to the fact that there's no football on right now. Um, the DC Defenders train. I'm off of it already, so we don't have to talk about that anymore. I know Antonio's happy about that. That's that's a two thumbs up. For I me. mean, yeah, they went two and zero. Guardians stink. I'm going to stop carrying things. I'm doing okay, though. I'm doing great. Joining us, uh, we had to wrestle Jace awake at the crack of noon over on the West Coast. Jace, how, how you doing over there? Got some got some coffee uh, or, or over there? How you feeling? Oh, yeah, it's going to be a heavy tea day. Uh, I didn't even drink caffeine yesterday in anticipation of having to, quote, wake up early for me today. Hot tea guy. Unquote. I didn't anticipate that. Do you have a uh, yeah? You, I've you, never been a coffee man. Gray, I'm a, t- I'm a, a tea green person. Tea? Where do you what do you blend with? Uh, it's an Earl Grey. Earl okay. Grey Black is the go-to. We got a Keurig at work. I hit the little pods up, just straight, no sugar or anything like that. Just boop, tea just it up. Just going behind the microphone but, here on Pod Like a Raven early. <laughs> I look behind the glass. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna give you. There's a few Ravens uh, news and notes that we want to go over. A few NFL uh, storylines. Multiple storylines involve the Pittsburgh Steelers, which, whatever, we'll go through those quickly. Uh, and then some fun things that we want to talk about on this quiet week before, uh, as Tim mentioned before we started recording, before the, the NFL offseason schedule really gets going with the combine, uh, the draft free agency really goes into full swing. But first, let's go over some of the Ravens' updates. And I would say the, the biggest one of the week involves... Uh, 
One of, we're all fans of him. Tony Jefferson. Tim, you want to give us uh, the news on that? Yeah, Tony Jefferson, after the news that we talked about last week, that Chuck Clark had been re-signed to his deal, the, the man who took Tony Jefferson's spot. Uh, Jefferson has been cut. It's something that we predicted. Uh, only 28 years old. He received $19 million guaranteed on a four-year deal with the Ravens in 2017. Uh, but obviously, they have cut that short. Uh, they saved themselves seven million dollars in cap room, which is always essential. Uh, you know, this is kind of run of the writing writing on the wall type of deals that we all sort of predicted, but now it's official. So, uh, your thoughts on both of you, Jace? I can start with you. Your thoughts on Jefferson's time? Obviously, I think we all think this was the right call. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with saving the seven million dollars in cap when you can, especially with the emergence of a guy like Chuck Clark. But what did you make to uh, number twenty three's time with the Ravens? Um, I thought he was great. Uh, he's one of those guys, again, you know, only three seasons, but it certainly felt like Tony Jefferson was around longer. He was one of the more uh, vocal guys on the team, uh, certainly, and I think that helped fans connect with him. He's uh, one of the more active on Twitter, which uh, I'm a follower, and uh, we'll get to his Twitter interactions and mentions here in a moment. But, uh, yeah, I thought Tony Jefferson was great, and I think, the move, um, and I believe it was Eric DaCosta even said this in his statements, but uh, just like the bad side of the business of the NFL, where like everyone likes Tony Jefferson, the fans. Uh, I think we still all mostly like Tony Jefferson, the player, but, you know, injury and other guys emergence, like everyone knew he was going to get cut and then he did. And it just it stinks to lose people like that. But like you said, it's kind of just an accepted um part and reality of a salary cap league that stuff like this is going to happen. So a little bum, but whole, he's good enough. And assuming a full recovery, he's had a, I mean, that was in what early October when he suffered that um, injury. So he's had time to recover and I hope he lands on his feet um, somewhere that is not the AFC North. So everybody who has watched a Ravens game in their life knows who Ed Reed is. And he was the guy on the Ravens for years and years and years on the back end. And eventually he had to leave. He had to retire, even though I, none, none of us wanted him to go to the Texans and the Jets before he did retire. But it was time, and you cycle through you know, great players, and then you try to rebuild. The Ravens tried to rebuild with Terrence Brooks and Matt Elam at safety. And, and those Ooh. were two... disastrous guys who intentionally we haven't used as random Ravens because I don't think any of us enjoyed those two guys at all. Matt Elam plays for the DC Defenders, a starter, which shows you the quality. I was going to say XFL player. I didn't know he was on DC. Shows you the quality of that league. So those are obviously two experiments that didn't work and were pretty high draft picks. Those were guys who the Ravens were like, all right, time to rebuild this position. Let's do it in-house as they love to do. Those were two failed experiments, and then they went to enough of that. You know, let's get the pros who we can trust, who we know. And that was Tony Jefferson. That was Eric Weddle. That was Tony Jefferson uh, working together. And they solidified the back end exactly as you would expect, sort of that, like, mid-price veteran, I would say. Mid-to-high-price veteran. He was not a superstar, was never going to be, but he was just a solid guy that when they signed... They knew he is going to start for us. He's going to play solid. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, and we're going to know that we can move on and try to address other positions now. And that's what he was. I mean, he was he was solid. He was fine. Uh, it's a shame he sort of got replaced almost accidentally by a late-round draft pick that I don't think they expected 
uh, Chuck Clark to, to be as, as good as he ended up being. So it's one of those things that's just the NFL, that this is how this works. Uh, I think he's going to find a home somewhere else for the next few seasons and end up having like a 10 to 12 year NFL career as a starter. Yeah, not to be the negative one here, but when Tony Jefferson signed, they had already brought in Eric Weddle. And you kind of heard, as soon as he signed, every football writer was like, oh, another brilliant Ravens move. If you haven't heard of this guy, one of the best safeties that nobody talks about because he's in Arizona. They're not really doing anything. But this guy is a playmaker, um, a solid contributor on the back end. And I remember reading, a, a, I think it was an SI piece on him about, you know, growing up and his, um, being an undrafted free agent and making his impact in Arizona that way. And I got incredibly excited for a man who also doesn't wear gloves, which always helps, as we always talk about with these uh, these playmakers. Tape on the fingers. (laughs) Always over gloves. Always. I like the guy that could be sort of a sub linebacker, could come down and play on the line of scrimmage to help out, let Eric Weddle kind of free roam. I can blame it on my own expectations a little bit, but Jefferson didn't really live up to the hype of that, I would say. He never was an elite top-of-the-line defender that now that he's in the, quote, limelight of Baltimore or, you know, games against the Steelers or whatever it is and these big, high-profile matchups, it never seemed to to go that extra mile. I mean, in in only 35 games with the Ravens, he totaled two interceptions, two forced fumbles, and 11 passes defended, which, decent, not great. And I do remember some moments of Jefferson being beat and burned in big moments in big games. Um, so, you know, you can call me a Chuck Clark defender here. You can call me uh, being <laughs> overly critical of, of, of Jefferson. But I sort of think, obviously this was the right move. I sort of think that he didn't necessarily live up to what he could have been if, if he was if he was a superstar and they brought and Chuck Clark came in and emerged as this other guy this decision would have been a lot tougher I think the NFL doesn't use this stat but if they did wins above replacement mm-hmm. uh, in his Ravens tenure it would have been like half yeah. even exactly uh, it just literally a guy <laughs> to re- you know he was a starter he played a lot of games until the obviously this the sort of season ending ACL tear but he was just like a plug in plug and play veteran who, who who filled a need at the time. But, sir, I agree with you. Tim was not – never really was like, oh, what saved the game or made an amazing play or, or was, a, was a difference maker. The one thing I will say is – and it will be interesting to watch this year um, – is he did seem to be sort of one of their kind of top leadership guys on that defensive side the past few years. Obviously, Weddle was there. C.J. Mosley was a drafted guy. Um. Terrell Suggs was still there, but it'll be interesting to see kind of who takes the leadership role um, on defense this upcoming season. You would hope it would be someone like Earl Thomas, a veteran we've talked about, you know, potentially being a Hall of Famer. But that'll be like the one thing with Jefferson I'm interested to see is sort of how they less so his playing void, because I think Chuck Clark has done that. But just the leadership part of it um, that is intangible. Well, we may have another role to fill uh, and some other leadership to to gain because uh, a tweet was sent out by another defensive starter, Matthew Judon. Tim, I think you saw that tweet. What was uh, 
What was the word? The verbiage of it? Yeah, so it's off of the Ravens' official tweet on Valentine's Day, by the way, which kind of stinks for Tony. Uh, just saying, we have released Tony Jefferson. Thank you for everything. Link to the story. Matt Judon, another man who uh, loves tweeting and loves being on social media, but hashtag body by Taco Bell. Quote, Welp, we looking for work. Which sent Ravens' Twitter into meltdown. Obviously, Judon is the number one uh, free agent priority uh, for to re-sign, I would say, uh, for most fans. We've, we've talked about it at length and we will continue to talk about it at length, obviously, of whether or not the Ravens should re-sign him, for how much, tag him, trade him, whatever it is. Um, I just want to add a little addendum onto this, which I didn't see. Uh, Tony Jefferson replied to, to Matt Judon, quote, shut up, Matt. So I think we're fine. Uh, I don't think this tweet should read into anything else. Judon did reply to that and said, you're my brother. If you need work, then we need work. So let's find work. They shared we. Yeah, the shared we. Let's find some work for Tony. Obviously, they played together for a, a decent amount of time here in Baltimore. But not to not to throw water on this uh, Twitter fire already, but it seems like that Matt was basically saying we need to find a job for Tony now, not that I'm necessarily <laughs> going anywhere. So that's uh, that was good timing, because otherwise I think the three of us could have gone five minutes here on, well, <laughs> what, you know, linebacker slash defensive end do we now need to absolutely need to get on this team? <laughs> uh, remains to be seen, still. He could then still go, but at least he's not sharing information that he's on his way out. So thank you, Tony, for clearing up the Matthew Judon. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> Shut up, Matt. Beautiful way to put it. Uh, another uh, another note from the Ravens, and this is, uh, I guess, the most negative thing that we're going to talk about this week, and that's the little bit of news out of James Hurst. Tim, do you want to tackle that if you have the specifics? In front of uh, tackle the tackle. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, so this is coming from Jameson Hensley of ESPN.com. Um, quote, the Ravens suspended... Offensive line, or the NFL suspended, excuse me, Ravens offensive lineman James Hurst for the first four games of the 2020 season for violating its performance enhancing drug policy. Uh, he's eligible to participate in all preseason practices and games. He'll be allowed to return to the team's active roster on Monday following the team's, the Monday following the team's fourth game. Um, rookie, signed as a rookie free agent in 2014. He played in all 16 games last year, something you probably wouldn't have expected. Uh, only starting two of those at left tackle when Ronnie Stanley had some issues, but was a rotation guy, uh, one of the guys they bring in, especially on these long Ravens drives that we saw year uh, game in and game out this year for the Ravens. They need to bring in some fresh bodies up front. Um, so uh, a, a decent loss, but not something I think that is uh, is huge for Baltimore. It, it, you know what's funny? I think when I first saw this, I, I don't know if it was just on ESPN maybe, but it, the way – the way I saw it was just basically said like Ravens Hurst suspended for first four games. And I was like, uh Oh, I was like, we could use Hayden Hurst. And then I was like, I read the story. It was James Hurst. I was like, ah, two Hurst. <laughs> so this, if we're going to have a Hurst suspended, this is probably the preferable one I would think. But um, again, always an unfortunate situation to get guys suspended. But you know, the first four games, if you assume that guys like Roddy Stanley or Orlando Brown can stay healthy for at least the first four games before the kind of grind of the season wears on them, 
I don't anticipate it being a big problem at all. Yeah, the big, the biggest thing for me is when this type of thing happens to a backup. Teams have to decide whether the baggage of this is now worth keeping the player. Uh, I mean, he's a a solid rotation guy, so I think maybe this leans more into like he's worth keeping on the team. But I know the Ravens are not going to love this as sort of like a bad look for the team. Um, I'm not sure where he is contractually, uh, but if it's a case where they draft a cheaper offensive backup offensive lineman or in late in the draft, maybe sixth, seventh round, and he looks good in the preseason or something like that, like potentially could could be bad news for uh, the offensive lineman Hurst. Um, <laughs> but certainly that's like weeks and months away, so I, I don't want to speculate too much into that. But the Ravens will be fine. Uh, I, you know, I don't know the details of of what James did exactly to uh, to break this to break this rule, but they'll certainly look at it, I think. And if it's a, a case where he can be replaced, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Ravens just didn't want to keep a guy who had uh, like a suspension based on performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, there was a report um, from. Brian McFarland, who I would love to get on the show at some point, at Ravens Salary Cap on Twitter if you don't follow him. Well worth a follow for Baltimore Ravens fans. He does basically when news comes out about either departures or trades or free agent potential, rumors, whatever it is, he is the guy to look for in terms of this is how much money it would take. This is how the cap, this is how the Ravens could negotiate this via the cap. This is how they structure this deal to make this work under the salary cap, whatever it is. Incredibly useful tool if you're trying to find that type of information. I can't find exactly the number um, for for James Hurst, but real quickly, it, it looks like it's only about. Let's see, it looks like it's only about 1.75 million. It would free up in cap space should they release him, because the tweet from Brian McFarland was talking about if Hurst and Brandon Carr get released, something that we we kind of failed to mention with the Tony Jefferson stuff. That would create about $8 million in cap room. Carr has the $7 million team option, which would be the seventh highest on the team next season, which you're going to know my feelings about that if you've listened to this podcast at all, ever. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I don't think it would be super beneficial in terms of cap for them to release him, but you're right. I mean, they'll probably keep him on the team, but if they see somebody really start to improve and really become a depth option and a younger option and a cheaper option, there's no point in keeping a guy around who has – a mark like this on his record. Uh, it should be noted as well, too, before we move on. Uh, Andre Smith, who joined the team last year from the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, offensive tackle, played a number of years of Cincinnati, who joined the Ravens later in the year as kind of a depth guy. The Ravens signed him to a one-year deal as a depth guy after this news anyway. So that could, that could already spell the end uh, for the offensive lineman Hurst. Uh, do you want to take Tim and Jace thirty seconds on the the Brandon Carr Jimmy Smith aspect of this? I mean, we talked a little bit about it last week, how we sort of saw the secondary coming together with the Chuck Clark extension. It's going to be a Tavon Young, Chuck Clark, Marlon Humphrey, uh, Earl Thomas. You know, th- that's the foursome basically. Uh, Marcus Peters and Peters, right? Excuse me, and Peters. <laughs> now you got five, and you got a little bit of depth. Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, both veteran players whose performance has been hot and cold, or in Tim's opinion, for Brandon Carr, <laughs> cold, frigid, freezing cold. Yeah. Uh, I think one of these guys is gone for sure, if not both. Um, I think we would both probably vote to keep Jimmy Smith, just because he's 
sort of you know a, a Ravens draft pick, and his his performance when healthy has certainly been better than than Cars. But uh, any quick thoughts about that before we uh, move off of the Ravens? I, I think you just nailed it right there. Like. I would obviously prefer Jimmy Smith. Brandon Carr is going to be cheaper because <laughs> he's the worst player. Um, uh, Jimmy Smith, um, you know, great Raven for a long time, has had a number of issues, both uh, physical and some off the field related stuff, a number of suspensions, a lot of season ending injuries. Um, so that's the risk you have here versus Carr, I think, hasn't missed a start since like 2007 or something. He's like an Iron Man of sorts. Uh but like we said, uh, Jimmy Smith a lot better. So I think that's still a gamble you probably want to take with the ga- the better player. But you're going to probably pay Brandon Carr less. So I wouldn't be surprised if of the two, Brandon Carr is actually back next year and Jimmy Smith is not. Yeah, it, interestingly enough, I think that Carr is probably the better option. I know that's strange coming out of my mouth, but... Uh, yeah, I'm coming around. I'm coming around. He's he's more versatile. He can certainly play in the slot. Uh, he's proven that more than than Jimmy. Uh, play is is a funny term. We know it's seven million. The team option is seven million dollars a year for Carr. It's a seven million dollar option next year. It's a lot of money. Like we said, seventh highest on the team. But you pick that up. You got the player. You don't have to worry about it. If Smith gets anything higher than that on, on the free agency market, the Ravens aren't going to pay their essentially fourth corner. That money. That being said, on the other side of this, one, the Ravens have shown that they want to build the secondary. That is their priority in terms of spending money in the market, um, clearly, with the deals that they've been making recently. So if they think they can convince Jimmy to stay on something a little lower than that, maybe a seven, uh, one year, seven million, something like Carr, it might be worth bringing him in. Tavon Young is coming off a, a season long injury. Uh, he got paid as one of the best slot corners in the NFL. Who knows? Coming off of an injury, we never know. You're going to need the depth of something like that. And, again, if Marcus Peters turns into Jekyll, you know, we, we saw the great side of Marcus Peters last year. If he ends up turning into the guy that gets torched on double moves all the time, having that depth of a guy like Jimmy Smith would be pretty vital. But these are the tough decisions that a guy like Eric DaCosta has to make. So, on paper, it looks secure. But one or two little injury knocks here and there or some poor performances coming out of the gate. And that secondary looks a whole hell of a lot worse than it does at the start of the year. We'll probably find out the and the resolution to this Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr situation in the next few weeks. The last uh, little small note that, that we wanted to cover here, we discussed Eric Weddle's retirement last week. The only little extra tidbit that came out of it is that Weddle has decided to retire as a Raven, uh, which I found a little strange. Uh, he played nine years with the San Diego Chargers, who are now the L.A. Chargers. So I, my opinion is that uh, the major point of him not retiring as a Charger was because of how strange it would have been for him to be a retired member of a team in a city that the team is no longer in, that he exclusively played in San Diego. Um so he played three years with the Ravens, and he wants to retire as a Raven. I think it just adds to what we talked about last week. He felt like he was a, a Raven from day one. The, the community, the Ravens community, the, the organization thought he was, you know, fit that bill so well. Uh, and it just sort of adds to that. Anything, Jace, you want to talk anything on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I think it's just uh, he never played in L.A. 
uh, as a member of the Chargers. I think um, I don't think it's a stretch or beyond the pale to say the Spanos family probably doesn't have as good relationships with its former players as sort of Eric DaCosta or not Eric DaCosta, um, Steve Bashotti and, you know, the Ravens kind of do. Uh, the Chargers uh, are just riddled with off the field uh, front office strife that comes out every few months. So I'm not exactly surprised. Um, I mean, it's a little it's a little strange when you do consider just you look at the stats and how long he played one place versus the other. But if I'm mistaken, didn't Steve Smith end up doing the same thing because of his kind of acrimony with the Panthers? Um, So we've seen it before, uh, but um, I I think you're right. I think it comes down to just he was never an L.A. Charger. So to him, it probably was strange to retire as one. Sorry, I just I think it's more and we don't have to debate this too long. I think it's more. This is a class organization compared to what we just (laughs) described with the Chargers. And he felt more at home here, felt like a guy, as we talked about last week when he signed. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy is a Raven. I, I think it's more of that to all free agents out there. Listen up. You know, you come to Baltimore, you have a great time. You end up retiring as a member of the organization. All the good ones, just the best free agents. You should all heed that <laughs> advice. All right, let's 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 move now. Uh, we're going to do a random Raven a little bit earlier at, uh, comparatively in the segment. So it's my turn this week, and I've got a, a pretty good one. I, I think you guys are going to nail it. Uh, so I've made the clues. I haven't given too, too much detail, but we'll see how, how you guys do, and then I can add two as necessary. So this random Raven... Played four seasons with the team from 2008 to 2011. The, the renaissance period of That's, of that's prime time. <laughs> this Notre Dame All-American started 14 games spread out over four seasons, recording 29 tackles and two interceptions in 2009. I was going to do this guy earlier, so I know exactly who it is. But yeah, the Jace looks a little confused. Yeah, I don't have anything right now. After playing for the Ravens, he followed Chuck Pagano to the Colts and played his last season there in 2012, starting 11 games and recording a career-high 38 tackles. This player also had some success playing another sport during his football career, and that was frequently featured when his name came up during NFL games. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to say that give any info on the number or the position. Uh, and we're going to see Jace's. I can see the wheels turning. Uh, we'll come back at the end of the show. And if Jace hasn't gotten it by then, we'll turn to... Yeah, my, goal, my goal in this is to get one when Jace doesn't have it. So I, I am ecstatic right now. I don't yeah, think he's going to get I it. Got another, I'll see if I can think of one, but... I'd, you said that other sport thing, and now I'm just imagining Haloni Nana playing rugby, and now I can't get off of that. <laughs> well, not specifying, right, not specifying what the sport is. Maybe I'll give a little more of a detail when we close the show about the sport without saying exactly what it is. But, Sounds good. Uh, all right, so Jace, now, aside from not knowing who this Raven is, what's bothering you this week? You got oh, a few minutes on what's uh, grinding your gears? It's... It's a it's a convoluted issue, Antonio. It is Alex Ovechkin's chase for 700 goals. Um, I love Alex Ovechkin. He's my favorite hockey player of all time. He's probably Cross the sport re- here getting off. Yeah, of we're going to the NHL. It's it a whole, is the off season. It's this whole league where there's they wear skates and they shoot a puck. Crazy stuff. Um, Never heard of it. 
Uh, I dabble uh, in hockey, <laughs> if you all have ever visited my Twitter account. But um, Alex Ovechkin's quest for 700 goals. I love Alex Ovechkin. I want him to score 700 goals. He has been stuck on 40 for the season, two goals away. He has 698 goals. And the Caps have been just dreadful for the last month. And normally, in an 82-game hockey season, uh, when your team's playing bad, you just change the channel. Just go to the next thing. But because Alex is pursuing this title, this rec- uh, it's not even a record. It's just 700 goals. It's a big milestone. It's about seven or eight NHL players have ever hit 700. Um, I am just having to watch them just get pummeled game after game this last week and a half. And it is driving me crazy. Like, I just watched them lose like six to one against like the Flyers, and then they got housed again. Goalie got pulled two straight games at home against the uh, the Islanders. It's driving me insane. It's <laughs> my Twitter is just me angry yelling about the Caps. It's less about Ovechkin and more just like how bad the team is because I know he's gonna score. He's not just gonna score forty goals and then just not score for the final two and a half months of the season, but like. It feels that way this last week and a half. We're all ready for it. We have not to go too far behind the curtain. I will say my employer, we are ready. We are prepared for if he is to break this record with a story and an instant story. And uh, yeah, he just hasn't gotten it. And I'm just having to watch the Caps just lose game after game. They played just an atrocious game against the the coyotes the other day it's been rough i'll I'll jump in quickly is this a thing where they may be playing poorly because this number is hanging over the team that's kind of what i've been wondering um they have the because hockey players never say anything they will never outright say it um he has always scored a disproportionate amount of their goals anyway so like it's always magnet like magnetized i guess not that's not the right word magnified (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that um, when uh, he doesn't score, uh, like no one scores on the team because he's one of the best goal scorers of all time. But I do think it's probably part of it for sure. They've been they've been trending rough for a while, but like he just has his scoring's dried up. The last four games is like his lo- one of his longer scoreless streaks of the season, like right when he's two goals away from 700 and then like no one else is scoring either. And yeah, you wonder if they're like trying to get him this record and he's played pretty well, at least two of the games. But that just, you know, it's hockey. It's weird. The puck doesn't go in, but it's driving me crazy. And <laughs> in lieu of uh, any football to distract me with, I think it's even more uh, pronounced. <laughs> And that was Talking Hockey with yeah. Jay Sevens on the West Coast. Uh, yeah, I get it. It's also one of those things where it's not like wins, where <laughs> you know you're one away the entire time. He's two goals away, so he's not even really on it yet, but yeah, he it could, could happen in one game. Yeah. He could score tonight. They play an afternoon game here, kicking off at 3 p.m. in Vegas, so that'll go well, because the team is definitely focused and wasn't out in Las Vegas all night. <laughs> if he gets 700 in the afternoon in Las Vegas, he's going out that night. Right? Oh, yeah. like, that's <laughs> he, he, he parties in Vegas that night. All all right, so <laughs> Jace, I, I hope I hope he gets it. I hope he gets the seven hundred so that you can uh, relax a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 
so we're going to move now to a, a new segment, and this was brought brought up uh, by Tim, and it was a fantastic idea because uh, it's the off season, and there's not a lot of things going on. So Tim, I'm just going to turn to you. Why don't you uh, Why don't you s- sell us this uh, this idea and see uh, who uh, who we suggest in terms of uh, Raven players? Yeah, sure. So I mean. As Jay, or excuse me, as Antonio mentioned earlier in the program, combine kicks off next week, and that's when everything starts to get rolling. We'll look at some prospects we really like. Free agency comes after after that. That's when the off season really gets rolling. This this President's Day edition you'll hear it the day after is a dead time in the NFL. There is nothing to talk about. So I was perusing the internet looking for something to talk about, and turns out Marlon Humphrey and just his beautiful afro and beautiful suits popped up on my feed. This coming right from BaltimoreRavens.com, I'll have you know. Marlon Humphrey, much like our own Lord and Savior Lamar Jackson did last season, uh, off-season I should say, participated in Celebrity Family Feud. Now, they taped the episode. It is not aired yet. Uh, he, His teammates were Colts linebacker Darius Leonard, Broncos wide receiver Cortland Sutton, Chiefs running back Damian Williams and Packers running back Aaron Jones with Marlon Humphrey on Celebrity Family Feud. I don't know when it's going to air, but we got to find out because I'm recording it and I need to see my man Marlon tear up that game because I think he would be great at it. So off that idea, I figured and we well, we're going to treat this kind of loosely, whether it's current Ravens, whether it's individual players, whether it's units uh, on the current Ravens team or Ravens of the past. However, we want to handle this. I'm going to I'm going to start with my two uh, co-hosts here. Build your perfect family feud team using Baltimore Ravens players. Now, usually there's five players. We don't have to necessarily do five if you don't want. Again, this is very, very loose. And as we always recommend, if you have an idea for yours after listening to this, feel free. Podlickeraven at gmail.com. Podlickeraven on Twitter. Podlickeraven on Instagram. Spoiler alert, we did have a random Raven suggestion via Instagram that I will be using next week, so always appreciate those. Um, if the player hasn't been used yet, I promise you that at least I will definitely use uh, your random Raven, whoever it is. Um, so yeah, Jace, I'll start with you if you'd like. Who is your family feud team? So I'll make my first pick. Not that we're drafting this, but if uh, my a number one of current Ravens uh, guys absolutely are my family feud team, Mr. Woo Woo himself, Mark Ingram. Uh, I think he would just be fantastic on this show. We'd get some funny answers, some good banter with Steve Harvey. It'd be great. And uh, he'd go on some rant about something. Perfect pick. (laughs) Who else you got? Why don't you do the whole uh the whole lineup. So if we're going to go a unit, uh, I'll add three more guys. I'm going to hit the tight ends. Uh, we'll go Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle. They're the three best friends um, uh, that aren't a, a certain group. But uh, yeah, I'll go with those three. And then to round it out, I'm going to go sim a similar vein, just goofy dudes. Give me Brandon Williams. He's going <laughs> to he's gonna have a good time. He's going to say some funny stuff. Uh, and that's all I want is people who will probably pick the wrong answer, but will say some funny things. And then also Nick Boyle. <laughs> I, I'm going to let you go first, my friend. I, as somebody who brought this segment up, I'm going to let I'm going to let the two co-hosts go. And then I'm going to show you the team that will smash both of you. Well, I don't <laughs> even I don't even need five players, Tim. I, it's three guys. And uh, with these three, I would take on your five names. Uh, and it's the Wolfpack. It's, uh, <laughs> it's Morgan Cox, 
Sam Cooke, Justin Tucker. And there's a few reasons. First of all, Steve Harvey would have an absolute field day with Justin Tucker being an opera singer. He would probably ask him to sing something in the show. Justin Tucker would hesitate exactly half a second before leaping into some aria that he uh, has absolutely prepared for the show. That's probably Family Feud related or something like that. Number two, these three guys have absolutely played this at their home with their wives and families and kids. Some video version of it or game game night version. These three are best friends. They do absolutely everything together. Uh, I am sure they know everything about each other, so they'd be able to handle the uh, that like final round game where you have to. Uh, list, you know, the what the survey said of a hundred people with certain <laughs> questions, and they wouldn't double up because they would know that Justin Tucker would absolutely know what Sam Cooke put for, like, their favorite a hundred people's favorite food and they would just compliment each other, they would absolutely smash this game. Number three they are the nerdiest people ever, uh, and they would probably do, like, homework before to, uh, like, analyze what consumer habits are uh, and what people say in these surveys, so there is no doubt in my mind the Wolf Pack of Morgan Cox, Sam Cooke, and Justin Tucker would take this title. Oh, man. I'm going to give you nerdy, first of all. <laughs> John Urschel. If you didn't know this, a mathematics scholar who left the NFL to pursue who knows what, because I have a journalism degree and I don't even know what he's talking about half the time, but one of the <laughs> smartest players in NFL history... Uh, quick, rapid thoughts going through his mind, is able to pick stuff up at a moment's notice uh, when needed, is able to improvise that way as well. Give me John Urschel. The guy who's going to have the random answer when everything's taken off the board except the the one person said this one thing, you need that one point. It's got to be Ed Reed. It's got to be Ed Reed. That guy's mind is in a million different places at a million (laughs) different times. You know he's going to have the crazy ones. If you've ever watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia... Charlie Day gets all the answers with one person because it turns out he was the guy (laughs) at the mall who got the questions uh, given to him. So he knew all the answers there. Ed Reed's going to be the same way, just like Charlie, not realize it until the very end. Um, A nice leader, a former NFLPA president, Dominique Foxworth, to lead this unit, I think is going to be great as well. A man to stare you down. Actually, I'll, I'll save him for the end. I'm going to go, because he might not be a Raven for that much longer, Body by Taco Bell, Matt Judon, another guy with Ed Reed, charismatic, great on camera, and is going to have those answers that nobody else is thinking of. (laughs) And then when you go up individually, when it's one versus one to determine who gets the turn, when Steve Harvey asks you the question, you have to hit the buzzer before the other person and say an answer that would be up on the board. That's how your team starts your scoring. There is... One man who not one person on this earth would want to go up against. And that's Marshall Yonda. <laughs> Him staring at you across the way. I'm not hitting that button. He's going he's gonna to have that look in the eyes of don't you dare. Do not hit that button. Do not hit that button. Uh, and I, I'm going to cower in fear if it was Yonda on the other side. So give me Yonda, John Urschel, Matt Judon, Ed Reed, Dominique Foxworth, and Marshall Yonda would be my team there. My uh, hot take on John Urschel is that he'd be, like, too smart for the questions. Maybe. <laughs> they would ask him things, and he would give the actual right answer, but nobody knew that that was the right answer of the 100 people. That's survey. fair. Ed Reed, I'd love to see Ed Reed stay on the stage the entire episode. 
<laughs> He's walking all over the place. It'll be halfway amazing. Through. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, we need to. Sub- we'll submit this to the Family Feud family, feud family, feud family, and see if we can get more Ravens on the show. Uh, when we find out the air date of the show, we'll make sure to uh, to announce it so that we can all have a watch party. Watch Marlon Humph- or uh, yeah, watch Marlon Humphrey. Hopefully win. Do you know who they're playing against? Is that even other that NFL players? I cannot. I, I believe it will be. But what is going on? I, I cannot clarify that at this time. Oh, man. <laughs> Family feud. All right. Uh, <laughs> next thing we want to go over, uh, just the general NFL as a whole. Uh, a few things happened this week. Uh, I think the What's Bothering Jay segment could have been the, the second thing I'm going to bring up. But before we get to uh, a Lamar Jackson comparison, let's go to... Probably the biggest uh, note, especially in the AFC North, and that is Miles Garrett reinstated officially uh, on the Browns, can now play games. He was suspended uh, after the November 14th game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where he decided to rip an NFL player's helmet off and try to hit them with it. He missed six games to end out the season and has now been reinstated over this offseason. Uh I'm just going to ask, you know, your thoughts. Six games. Was that enough for what the infringement was? Should he have actually had to sit out a full season? Was six games too much? I'll uh, just toss it to you guys. Uh, I think six was fine. I think it's it seems low when you say six, but, you know, it was he was suspended the rest of the season at a time when the Browns were still theoretically alive in the playoff hunt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> theoretically, too. Uh, but uh, um, so I, I was fine with it. Just I figured it was only going to be for the rest of the season. I mean, it's still one of the bigger suspensions they've levied for like an all field thing um outside of i guess vontae's perfect but um uh yeah i i was fine with it i thought it was appropriate he's out the rest of the year he uh lost in between fines and missed game checks over a million dollars so um i don't know i think i think it was pr- pretty hefty um still but did you guys feel differently, I guess, Tim? That's interesting. I'm going back and forth on that. I, I feel like it should have been – they should have put a number on it. You know, if it's six games, it's six games, it's fine. But just say until the end of the season, you know, if it happens week one, that's way different than it happening in week 10. So hindsight being 2020, I think they maybe should have gone back and said it's going to be a 10-game suspension or it's going to be – you know, but six games, if you if if that's what you thought was appropriate. I don't really have an opinion on if six, the actual number, was enough. Uh, we should mention, too, we don't have to talk about it too much, um, but a couple days ago, Garrett, after being reinstated, sat down with Mina Kimes of ESPN and again alleged that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur to incite this incident. Mason Rudolph responded on Twitter, um, a thousand percent false, bold-faced lie. I did not, have not, and would not utter a racial slur. This is a disgusting and reckless attempt to assassinate my character. Mike Tomlin, uh, as we're recording this on Monday, was on ESPN today, standing up for Mason Rudolph, saying those allegations are are, are not great, uh, to kind of paraphrase what he said there. Um, I think the only point here is, is the NFL definitely has audio of this. And <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? They're, they clearly have audio of what happened here. There's so many mics around the field at any one time. 
if if something was said that needs to come to light and if something wasn't said that also the NFL should squash that. Now they've they've alleged they don't have the audio. I think that's yeah, I BS. Still, I don't buy that either. <laughs> I don't buy that at all. Um, so if it's going to keep going back and forth like this, you know, honestly, it's going to be a story that we're this this is not going to be the end of it. Unfortunately, you know, I don't I don't want to dive into this because it ends up being unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, he said he said kind of thing, and I I don't think we're going to find out. If it hasn't come out yet, I don't think it'll come out uh, at any point. The only aspect of it that bothers me is that Tim, and you touched on it, if this had happened halfway through the season, he would have been suspended for eight games. He would have been suspended the rest of the season from the midpoint. Instead, it happened at the six-game mark, and he was out six games. I think it should have been more, to be honest, and it was only because this was sort of, as non-game-related violence goes, this was like a two-act decision. Uh, this wasn't like a guy, you know, a guy's on the ground and he gets sort of stepped on. That to me is like the one where you don't think you make a snap, snap mistake. But this was something, the first thing was ripping it off. That was already by itself like a violent quote unquote act. And then the decision to hit him with it is like the secondary aspect of that. It was a disastrous look for the NFL uh, because it was such a prolonged like, violent incident. Hitting a player on the head without a helmet was a disaster with all the, you know, concussion issues that the NFL has been facing. I think it could have been a bit longer, and I think it was just sort of conveniently ending at the end of the season where had it gone into the beginning of the second season, I think that would have really been a, uh, a statement by the NFL of how significant that was of a moment. Um, but that's it. That's basically all I have. Six games is a lot. A million dollars, as Jace mentioned, is a lot uh, in terms of a fine. So uh, he'll be back. He's going to be on the, the shortest leash ever if he does anything else yeah. now, right? Um, yeah, he's, so he's in other. perfect territory right, if he right. uh, gets another um, suspension. So, so yeah, it's a, a tough situation to uh, to decide exactly how many games is the right amount. But we will see how he, how he handles it because, as I mentioned when it happened, he's also had a, a series of personal foul penalties. So uh, we'll have to see if those, if those come up uh, next season as well. We'll continue on the, you know, we'll pivot to the Steelers, I guess. We'll handle this one next. Just a quick note, Ben Roethlisberger update. Uh, we thought he was going to maybe retire with the with that season-ending injury that he had early in the season, but apparently the rehab is, is, is going well, on track to start week one of next season. Any thoughts on, on Ben Roethlisberger coming back? Well, it, it was funny. One of the last things I saw is is they they always say he's he's on track, but then like you also get updates. Like I saw like a week or two ago, that was like he's going to begin light throwing soon. So it's like wait, so he hasn't been cleared to throw not footballs yet. That doesn't seem like he's going to be throwing footballs come September. Uh, so I mean, I imagine he will be ready to start, but I just don't know how good he'll be at all. Um, at just his age and how much he hasn't been able to throw for like a full year, close to a full year, basically, or like seven months, six months at this point. Um, like it's a long time. Uh, and I, do, I just don't imagine he'll be a hundred. Like, I can't imagine we see the same Ben Roethlisberger when he steps back on the field in September, which is good for the Ravens. <laughs> the uh, third note that I want to bring up that this may have this may be a what's bothering Tim 
Taysom Hill is the third string <laughs> third string quarterback on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, this He's is a doozy. He does a lot of things. I love him as a player. Can throw the ball fifty yards. Can light somebody up on a tackle. Can catch touchdown passes. He's great. Uh, one of the was it the special teams coach of the New Orleans Saints essentially said that Taysom Hill should become a starting quarterback somewhere because he's basically like Lamar Jackson, if not a, a better thrower than Lamar Jackson. A disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster. Uh, so I'm going to turn to you guys here. Can you guys see Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback next season and how uh, how many passing touchdowns is he? Is he going to be the MVP of the league? Is he going to throw? Is he going to lead the league in passing touchdowns next season? Thought. Thoughts on Taysom Hill? I have the most complicated relationship with Taysom Hill because (laughs) I should like him. The Swiss Army Knife, a quarterback who hits guys, making special teams plays. I can't stand him. And I cannot stand Sean Payton's infatuation to take off one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time just for some gimmick plays with Taysom Hill. It drives me crazy. That being said, I don't know. I, no. No <laughs> is the answer. No is the answer. And you know what? Today, popular websites like NESN in uh, New England are linking him to the New England Patriots. Please, for the love of God, move on from Tom Brady and bring in Taysom Hill to lead your offense. I think he's got – he clearly has skills – he clearly has a, a role in this league and a very effective role at that. But, I mean, there's a reason this story is being leaked on the sl- one of the slowest weeks of the year in NFL news. It's absurd. The fact that he, quote, throws better. We, Siren, we found another Lamar hater. We found one. We thought we got rid of all of them except Bill Polian. There's one more left. I mean, it's, it's absurd to compare him to the reigning MVP of the National Football League because he does a few cool things that make announcers lose their minds anytime he's on the field. It drives me insane. He was also, insane. <laughs> Hill was himself quoted as saying he believes he's a franchise quarterback, but despite the fact that he has six completions in his career, none of them touchdowns. Uh, this is regular season only. Six completions, no touchdowns. Does have a pick in like 13 attempts uh, and he turns 30 in August. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I think the guy, the uh, the 20 uh, just turned 23 year old rating MVP who threw uh, 36 touchdown passes last season and is 19 and three as a starter. It might be a hot take. I think he's a better quarterback. But that's just me. <laughs> it seemed like a mistake of this coach to even say this. Like, it's just going to light a fire. And every, it puts pressure on Taysom Hill that he didn't need to have, I guess. But just, we couldn't not tackle this topic uh, <laughs> on the show, so I had to, I had to get it out there. Uh, the last NFL note that I have, which is maybe the most significant thing in the NFL ever, uh, in the history of the NFL, Jameis Winston got, la- <laughs> is, got LASIK eye surgery. So now he can see. So he's going to be unstoppable next season. 
He'll be able to tell who he's actually throwing the ball to. It'll just he, be his his guys, not all the guys on the field. What just if he his. actually is like really good? Like he just throws for like forty touchdowns and like eight picks next year. It'd be an amazing sponsorship <laughs> for LASIK eye surgery. <laughs> Change your life with LASIK eye surgery. What a time to get it too, because we talked about all the records that, or not the records, but he led the league in a number of categories, both good and bad, <laughs> last season in passing, and he couldn't see linebackers. Jameis Squinston is a thing on yeah. Twitter. That's a thing because he squints every time he's trying to throw the ball downfield. How has he gotten away with this? Well, and and again, sorry, Jace, <laughs> the most perfect opportunity when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now trying to decide what to do with him. They're trying to decide the next five to ten years of their franchise. And Jameis goes, oh, yeah, I can see now. I'm a professional quarterback in the National Football League and now I can see I not only led the league in passing but now I know when a linebacker is coming over the middle I've got it guys give me that money let's go I mean God bless Jameis Winston as somebody you know I talk about a guy who's very effective on the field in Taysom Hill and I can't stand him Sometimes Jameis Winston is not that effective on the field, and I love him to death. I love him. Long live Jameis Winston. Long live that man. I hope wherever he goes, hopefully it's Tampa. I hope he stays there and just tears it up down in Tampa Bay. But uh, this, I mean, it's an incredible story. In my the, the only thing I'm baffled by, because his vision problems were a thing that were known as far back as his awesome freshman season at Florida State. So we've known he's had bad eyesight. The Squints Winston thing was a thing. The year he won the Heisman, uh, <laughs> there is plenty of footage of him squinting at the sidelines. And he literally explained it as like, I just don't like want to wear glasses, but like I can't see basically. Uh, but I don't know why when he f- was drafted first overall in the NFL, why the first thing he didn't do was get LASIK and instead waited five full seasons into his career. Because <laughs> he's trying to make more money. It's a perfect leverage point. Yeah, a perfect I, leverage point. It also seems like a thing that the franchise probably should have figured out yeah, you know maybe suggested. do a basic eye <laughs> test to your quarterback to see if oh my god anyway uh, so look out nfl because Jameis winston is coming for the coming for more nfl records uh next season all right so that's all we got uh we're gonna go through the random raven that we're ending on a high note uh but we're gonna uh i'm gonna go over this random raven uh one more time uh jace see if you can uh get LASIK eye eye surgery and see who this Raven is, but (laughs) I'm going to go through the clues one more time. That was, that was just terrible. All right. Uh, This random Raven played four seasons with the team from 2008 to 2011. He was a Notre Dame all American, but he only started 14 games over four seasons recording. His best stint was 29 tackles and two interceptions in 2009. After playing for the Ravens, he followed Defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano to the Colts and played his last season there in 2012, starting 11 games and recording a career-high 38 tackles. He had success playing another sport during his football career. It is not a team sport. It is an individual sport, and that was frequently featured when his name came up during NFL games. They love doing that little 30-second clip when they come back from commercial about how NFL players are so unique and do all these other things besides football. Uh, and that's all I have. I'm not going to say the name, or I mean, excuse me, the uh, the number. We'll go to J- Jason. I'm going to let Tim take this, but are you any closer to uh, a name? 
No, I feel like I'm like even further. Oh, I mean, I... <laughs> all right. Let me let me help you. This this might give it away. So this is on me. This is not on Antonio. His last name starts with a unique letter. The, the, perhaps the most. <laughs> perhaps the most unique. Silence is not great. No, no I got. No. All right, I got nothing. It was a sport, the secondary sport. You wear gloves. It does not require a ball. And he was requires two of them. That's if we're being honest. That's very true. <laughs> but that was way better. And while at Notre Dame, as we mentioned, was incredibly highly rated. Maybe not as a draft prospect, but as the guy on that on that defense. All right, I'm just going to go. Yeah, it's, Tom, it's, it's Tom Zibikowski. Tom Zibikowski oh. is the player. I was ecstatic when the Ravens drafted Tom Zibikowski. I thought he was going to be the man and then That's just turned great, out. That's a great one. He was there that long? Wow. That's incredible. Has a boxing win at Madison Square Garden yes. under his belt, which yep. is wow. a pun. I need to get off of the show because I'm just getting way too many. They're like, the, like a belt, like a boxing belt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got the win under his belt. Apparently, he has a 7-0 career boxing record undefeated way to go way to go Tom Zubikowski Tom Zubikowski that is the definition of random raven <laughs> uh, and just to add to it apparently now is a firefighter so just oh, like adding on to the layers him. of different things that that guy's done a guy's guy uh, football player boxer firefighter yeah, he, uh, so Tom Zibikowski. He saves your house raven. and family, and then they ask, "Hey, so what did you used to do?" And he's like, "Oh, I was in the NFL. One a few, <laughs> one a few fights at MSG. Uh, now I'm just helping you all." It's like, "Oh wow, you're Ca- um, casual, just better than me in every way." <laughs> so we can add uh, Zibikowski to the to the secondary of the oh, very random. That's an excellent one. Unit. Good good call by you, Tim. Thank you. So that's gonna do it. Uh, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we will see you next week with uh, probably a little more uh, the combine, a little more news and notes on who could be potential, who could be the future random ravens. Uh, so that's going to do it. We will see you next week for Jay Evans and Tim Horsey. I'm Antonio Barbera for Pod Like a Raven. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.